0: This is the EMG Podcast Spotlight Interview with your host, Mike Salpaul.
1: Some people were just born to be or do certain things. When you meet EMG executive event host Matty G, you very quickly realize that truer words have never been spoken. Aspiring to be a DJ since childhood, Matty achieved and continues to live his dream— his friendly and colloquial spirit puts others at ease and has aided him quite well in his lifelong career. In this interview, we discuss Maddie's roots and his journey from backyard party DJ all the way up to his ascent as an on-air talent at Z100. After listening, you'll see why the term professional DJ and the name DJ Matty G are totally synonymous. I don't know if there is a person better equipped to be sitting behind this microphone right now than you. I mean, I, if I were able to hook you up with a microphone at all times, it, it might make everybody's life a lot easier.
0: Uh, you should talk to my wife.
1: <laughs> well, the man sitting before me needs no introduction, but I will give him one anyway. It is EMG's resident DJ extraordinaire, Matty G. Maddie, how are you this evening? I'm doing quite well, actually. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Looking smart, looking savvy. Thank you. Um, so we're going to cover a whole bunch of topics, and I'm sure it's not going to take much to get you and I off on a tangent. Probably not. But I, uh, I always ask this question to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you? Who is Matty G in a soundbite for the people?
0: I got to preview a couple of the others, and I hate to say it, but I think I think I'm an entertainer. Also, I'm definitely a performer. I, I like spotlight and center of attention. How many times have you heard me say, there, there's, "This is great"? Let's just get more me. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute, that's that's Brian. Oh uh, man, I am just lost, and I don't know who I am. That's, <laughs> that is that is a one. that I'm not passing go or collecting two hundred dollars, am I? Why do you like to be the center of attention? Where does that come from? Probably my father. My dad's My dad's definitely, he's a storyteller. I definitely mm-hmm. got that from him. Um, when I was a kid, his job was like, uh, if you rolled PR and sales into one, he would go to different factories. Uh, his company made closures and accessories for like 55-gallon drums. Mm-hmm. So he'd go into a warehouse, show them how the pump worked, and then take everybody out for golf or scotch and cigars. Or, so it was you know, a social job. Very social job. Were you in awe of that as a kid? Yeah, very much. He, he had the, the company car. I mean, it was a, a Chevy Lumina, like we weren't ballers, but yeah, yeah. He, he had the company car and he would take people out to dinner and get to travel across the country. And whenever he came home, he always had a cool story from the road or something. And and he told it well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I, there's a love of storytelling that you and I share. I think that's, uh,
0: being the resident old guys in the office Yeah, yeah true. and, 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 being able to to talk to people—that's definitely something we we definitely we definitely get caught up sometimes, and sometimes even at the wrong time in, in a good conversation. and We have to put the brakes on it to
1: get work. Yeah, done. it's mostly at the wrong time.
0: But is there really a right time for us to talk for forty minutes about
1: you know about nothing, Matt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, you know, I said you are the uh, resident DJ extraordinaire. Mm. Matty is the only guy that I've ever met in our field. Uh, DJ specifically who, uh, as a little kid said, I want to be a DJ and then became a DJ and like exclusively Mm -hmm. I've known people who want to, as a kid, want to be a DJ and then they do it through college or they do it, you know, in addition to whatever their other job is. This is the only job you've ever had. Yeah. This is my whole life. Um, the first jobs I ever had were working towards getting to DJ. Uh, all right. So I'm going to ask you about that, Mm -hmm. but uh, let's start earlier um where were you born
0: derby connecticut most people uh would assume i'm jersey through and through because of how hard i rep jersey
1: you Uh, little nutmeg are you yeah
0: man i i i i I popped out of mom and slid right into jersey though like (laughs) i was born it might derby might as well have just been a hospital Mm. fair so you moved to new jersey
1: Mm -hmm. right uh as what were you like as a kid
0: Obnoxious. I was I was always the the kid where, uh, you know, when you came back from being sick for a day, the teacher mentioned how quiet it was the day before. <laughs> I, I was that guy too. <laughs> it's, just, it's not bad. Um, I had a big imagination. You know, uh, I, I spent a lot of time in, in the backyard with uh, tinfoil and little green army men. Mm-hmm. But I also never had a problem hanging out with the older kids in the block, you know, shooting BB guns at, at action figures and learning to skateboard or, um, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that had a lot of girls. So, you know, I I'd, I'd play with the older girls across the street. There was a girl my age also, she had an older sister. Um I don't know, I guess I guess as a kid I was probably more well-rounded than I am as an adult.
1: <laughs> How did you arrive at music or more specifically DJ? Music was easy. That that was
0: definitely my parents. There was always music playing in the house, you know, the story is old as time. Um uh, mom played a lot of great tunes. Dad traveled a lot, wasn't wasn't around much. Um mom always had you know, Meatloaf, Queen, uh, uh, things like that. Going, I mean, all the time. I remember the 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 first CDs that my parents ever got for me when when the, the format went over were uh, Queen's Greatest Hits, Billy Joel, and uh,
1: Bata a Hell, Meatloaf. Those are three greats right there.
0: I, you you can't you can't beat them. Um, as far as DJing, there was an awful lot of times when I just wanted to control the music. You know, uh, like I said, the, the the girls that I grew up across the street from. Had an awesome party house. Their dad converted uh, the garage into a, a killer wet bar uh, pool table that opened up to a cool kidney shaped pool and stuff. And I always just like to sit and play with the music. You know, like people would be doing other things. And their pool was always freezing. So not getting in it was awesome. Like, no, no, I, I got the tunes. Yeah, We're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then when I was about 11, I went to uh, Wheels and Motion Roller Rink and the DJs controlled. Everything they told you when to start, when to stop, who could skate, who power couldn't. so
1: power play. I like power yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, interesting. So you got you you became infatuated with that.
0: We, yeah the the first time I witnessed in person somebody grab a record from the back shelf and put it on the turntable and do the wiki wiki motion that everybody mm-hmm. quote unquote has always wanted to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I always wanted to do it. You were just hooked instantly. I would. I would spend, you know, however much, I don't remember how it was, uh, six, 10 bucks, whatever it was to get into the ring and sit on the DJ booth stairs for the whole three hours, just staring up like, yeah, can I push a button?
1: So would never skate, just go in there and sit down.
0: There, there were times, there were times the entire session I wouldn't skate a stitch. I'd, you know, I'd lace yeah. my skates up. I'd take my two little laps. The DJ booth door would open. I'd go hang out and wait my turn. And then when, you know, the request line got down, I would just be like, hey, can I hang out on the stairs?
1: Yeah. And that, that was it. That was it. So, uh, I assume then that led to you DJing there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, first ever, first ever real DJing job was there. Um, did they pay you? Yeah. Well, the, the first couple times, no. Yeah. But
1: yeah. But I mean, eventually they, you got paid to do that.
0: Yeah. That was, that was it for me. Um, you know, Sunday mornings, uh, 11 to two, the, the, the kitty birthday party session at wheels of motion was my first full-time paid DJ gig. And I was probably,
1: do you remember what they paid you? Was it something like laughable? Six
0: twenty-five an hour. It, it <laughs> How might great been, is that? I, I remember I used to make $127 every other week. Wow. Um, and I was there all the time. Even if I wasn't DJing, I was either a skate guard or working uh, in the skate shop. Mm-hmm. Skating was always real big with me too. So I, I guess I can attribute DJing through skating. I always like playing music and my love of skating got me to be a regular at the rink and the rink got me to DJ. And
1: One hand wash the other. Yeah, thousands of people after that. So... At what point do you realize, like, this is what I want to do sort of long term? Did it, let me rephrase my question. Mm-hmm. Did it ever become, did you ever question if it would be a viable option for you?
0: Every single time I go to work.
1: Mm-hmm. Still.
0: Oh, yeah. To to this day, there's always that question of, like, uh, am I marketable? Am I up on the new tunes? Am I too set in my ways? Am I anything? So I think the very first time I really questioned, can I do this? forever had to have been around high school, you know, when, when you start getting your first real hint of, I need real money.
1: So it wasn't like you were just doing it. And then at some point said, oh, maybe I can do this. It was like a conscious decision for you to say, this is it. This is what I'm doing.
0: Everything I've ever done that wasn't DJing has been a means to continue to DJ. Like what? Um, I moved out West for about a year, moved out to Vegas and, uh, just left everything behind. Just, just took a break. When I came back, I had taken a day job because I had lost all my gigs Mm -hmm. and my day job was strictly to keep a roof over my head so I can continue to DJ at night. There were nights I would DJ for, for nothing, you know, like, Hey, I know you don't have entertainment on a Tuesday. Let me work a couple of weeks and try to build something up you start making money. I start making money, Mm -hmm. you know, um, did
1: those things work out for you or did you have any of them that maybe like didn't pan out? Yeah. A couple of them never panned out. You know, you,
0: you go to a place that doesn't have something or, you know, they don't have any foot traffic at all. They're hard to get to, or, you know, this was back before there was Uber and Lyft. So, you know, people drinking and driving, if they didn't want to take that risk, they didn't come out.
1: Right, 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 right. You know, uh, when did you buy your equipment? because I'll share a little story with you. Mm-hmm. So I was a musician first mm-hmm. and uh, I'm 12 years old in a 7th grade band and I'm playing music and then of course the band breaks up, but I have all of the equipment. I had the PA. And we were getting paid to play out. I mean, we were rinky dink but paid nonetheless. Oh, yeah. So I said, "Wait, I could get paid to do music." And my dad, that's what he did, you know, he did. So I was infatuated with that as a kid. So I said, "Okay, I'll DJ, you know." And my first "Quote unquote gig." My aunt had a housewarming party, and this is mm. this is how I mixed. Uh, I had my PA, didn't have a mixer or anything. So my uncle brought out. Remember the old like the big home stereo things? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. So that was one CD deck, and then the other one was my little Sony Walkman that always promised not to skip, and it it inevitably always skipped. Oh, yeah, of
0: course. And I
1: was like just crossfading by like lowering and raising the volume. Absolutely. And it was after that my grandmother said, you know, do you want to do this? I think, I don't know if I had a birthday coming up or whatever. And she just bought me a new Mark, like dual CD deck. And I was styling and high profiling my friend. That's a
0: huge step, man.
1: That's yeah. yeah,
0: Cause, uh, I remember DJ, my friend Tara's sweet 16. I think that was my first private gig.
1: Did you have your own equipment?
0: Well, It was the same thing. It was like my buddy, Adam's dad's, uh, uh, you know, um, What do they call those systems? Come on, like component systems speakers in his house, and uh,
1: same thing with the giant receiver. If you wanted radio,
0: yeah, of course. Well, no, the receiver you needed for everything because the receiver took it all in, right? Yeah, the speaker wires were all like uh, cut and and shaved. the uh, red and black. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Same thing. Half Uh, the people listening to this
1: who were born prior to nineteen ninety have no idea (laughs) what we're talking about.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, I I go back to when uh, a telephone was in your kitchen with a wire. Oh
1: man, you know how many times I accidentally choked myself on that?
0: I wonder how many times Marie accidentally choked you with
1: that. Yeah, it was an accident.
0: But no, it was it was the exact same thing. It was it was uh, it was fading tunes with just volume controls. We thought we were awesome because we had this one long uh, black light tube fixture, mm-hmm. and then uh, went to Spencer's. Spencer's used to sell things that weren't as adult <laughs> when we were kids. And you could get like cheap party lights and lava lamps. So yeah. uh, I guess. It, it was the same thing. I have a, I have a photo I'll, I'll I'll share with you. you can share. it's uh it's two like compact standard house systems, yeah with, with like one still had a record player on top and I'm linked them together with like my dad's old tape deck. And to do the scratching. Back then is
1: like science fiction. Oh. That you got these two things to like link up. Oh, it was great. Right. To to, to
0: scratch over a track, I would have to literally hold the CD and the record button down at the same time <laughs> with one hand. Yeah. And manipulate the record with the other.
1: So when did you actually get like gear gear? And we don't have to nerd out on this. I'm just yeah, wondering I, I out guess, of curiosity. I
0: guess the very first time I got actual like honest to goodness real gear, I was probably about 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I had started making money at the roller rink as opposed to just watching and, and doing this. And, uh, I used to take that same, you know, $127 every other week and go to the, the DJ supplier that was huge in Jersey and and just buy records. And then eventually, uh, mom kicked in, I think half, yep. you know, I I saved half mom kicked in half and I had probably real gear by, I don't know sophomore year in high school, I mm-hmm. probably had a, a decent enough setup to, to be able to, to say to other companies I can work.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. See, cause I didn't grow up in an area where there were like thriving companies. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in an area where you had to be a company. Right. So you <laughs> seriously, I mean, your love was of DJing and you knew that you had like, you lived in an area where you could go to other companies and be like, Hey, I can DJ. I lived in an area where my infatuation was not so much with the craft, mm-hmm. but with growing a business. Oh.
0: I, I said my friend Adam, uh, Tara's Suite 16. We started up all night DJs because there there were no other major. I these companies that I I found out about, Mm -hmm. I found out through uh, mostly Sean.
1: Uh, Sean Foley. Sean Foley of of,
0: of Elegant Music Group. Um, he was managing the roller rink when
1: I came in there. That's how you met. I never. That's how I
0: met Sean. Mm -hmm. And and my dedication and devotion and passion. Uh, Sean would go to other people he knew in the DJ business for years and years and say, look, this kid is super young, but he has the drive. He's got the devotion. He spends every nickel he has on either equipment or music. And all I ever did was just sit and practice and practice. Mm -hmm. I I was fortunate enough. My parents had a, a decent sized basement and they soundproofed it. I set up here in the basement and I would DJ from the minute I got downstairs until the minute I fell asleep standing up.
1: Yeah, I I mean, uh, I I admire that about you because it's just like a through and through love. Oh, I love it. It's never gone away from you.
0: No, and I I miss up all night DJs. This was was a time where... uh, um you know, you could get business cards made in the mall for like $800 in those little <laughs> yeah, kiosk yeah, yeah. machines. The, the name came because we stayed up all night because we, we can't be DJs if we don't have a name.
1: Right, right, right. And uh,
0: yeah, up all night DJs lasted for, I don't know, three or four years. Would you do
1: like parties and stuff? Yeah, that was it, man. Yep.
0: Uh, parties, a, a couple of school dances. Um, With my buddy Jimmy, we did some, some punk rock nights at a place that was called uh, LT's. That just Uh,
1: sounds like a place that would have a punk rock night.
0: It was Lawrence Taylor's place on 17 way back when that also
1: had some extracurriculars going on then.
0: Uh, I I don't know (laughs) what you mean. It was, you know, the, the, the
1: early to mid nineties, Lawrence Taylor. So, uh, you're DJing right after what happens after high school?
0: Um, I give, I give the old college try to college. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was still living at home and mom said, Hey, do me a favor. She said, give, give college a shot. She said, just, just g- did you a- major in anything? Um, fucking off. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly. Fair enough. Uh, I majored in in uh, uh, dropping out because the Yankees kept making the playoffs. And instead of going to finals, I would go get in the uh, bullpens for, for playoff and World Series tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, I did major in uh, criminal justice at one point, and I majored in recording at another. And this was right at the very beginning of college getting uh, Pro Tools. So when I was in college for music, it was still... Uh, physical audio tapes, ADATs, and yeah, things like right, that. Yeah, right, so, right. so, you know, I, I'd always about been About what year is this? Pff, 2000, 99, 2000, okay. 2001, I guess. Mm-hmm. Would be right around there. How long did you last in college? Uh, I gave it a try on and off for about three years, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, the, the year I, gra- I graduated high school in 99, the year I graduated, uh, I got shipped up to Rhode Island to DJ this bar nightclub for an entire summer, uh, Newport is a, a thriving nightlife vacation area for about four months out of the year because, you know, they've got money in beaches and boats and it's just a cool spot. Yeah. There was a guy that was opening a new place and, uh, they moved me up there, gave me a place to stay. I ate for free. I drank for free and I got paid to DJ like six shifts a week. It was, uh, like two or three happy hours and two or three night parties.
1: Mm-hmm. So I was just their
0: in-house guy, and then when I came back, I, I gave college the effort.
1: Yep. And so college doesn't work out; you just turn to DJing full time. Full time.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was DJing full time with with everything I was doing at that point. There was never a period. I uh, I broke into Morristown when they had larger nightclubs and a lot fewer of them in the late '90s. I guess '97, '98. I was DJing in a place called Jimmy's, mm-hmm. and I was there wednesday wednesday night thursday happy hour thursday night friday and saturday most nights what kind of
1: um before you got to emg and i i don't want to bore everyone but i think Mm. that this is speaking to like you have just literally done nothing but eat breathe and sleep throwing good parties your entire life yeah so i just out of my own curiosity When before you got to EMG, Mm -hmm. did you ever have another long-term sort of revenue stream, or was it mostly just like stringing together gigs, you know, gig to gig?
0: Mostly, I guess you would say stringing together gigs. A lot of them turned out to be long-term. Right. Uh, I've I've got a pretty good ethic. I've got a, a good reputation. I had a good following when when I was of that age. Right. Right. Um. You know, pe- people would come out just to see me play, depending on where I was. Uh, I had a good run with the Devils for a while. That was about oh, three years. Oh, tell us about that. Um, I got a, a, a call from my buddy. He was throwing his now wife a birthday party, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, bring your Devils shirt. I'm like, dude, it's summertime. I'm not bringing a, a, a hockey jersey. He goes, just bring it. Uh, the the mascot at the time turned out to be there. It was a big surprise. We're all huge Devils fans. Um so I got to hanging out with the mascot after the party was over, just chit chatting things were going fine. And uh, I'm
1: sorry, I'm just, he, he
0: took off the mascot okay. costume. No, I don't ru-
1: don't ruin my <laughs> my vision of it. So
0: so I'm sitting there with a mime, wow, and I'm having a one. <laughs> I got your own sound <laughs> dropping. Um, we we got to talking, and we really. Side note,
1: Maddie. Yeah, I once urinated next to Mister Met, but he didn't take the mascot head off. I want you to picture I'm standing at a urinal. Mr. Met walks up and I just turn to my right a little bit. And I look over and Mr. Met with that big goofy smile just looks at me and I'm like, he's not taking the gloves off either. How's he, how's he, how's, how's he like operating? T-? I don't know. All right. I digress. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> What's
0: the MPAA rating on this podcast?
1: Uh, you know what? We we try to keep it like PG 14. I don't even know if that's a rating. Yeah, no, no TV 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We, we can edit too, right? Correct. Yeah. Um,
0: at said Roller Rink, we had mascots. They were called Roxanne and Roller Dude. And uh <laughs> there was a whole skit that went along with it, man. I, I wish I wish this was anywhere on the internet. Um employees used to play these characters. And <laughs> if you were a male who had to play the woman, there was a, a bra that was done up to give you a, a right, figure right. and there was a huge mascot head. And uh, there was one time I was a floor guard and the floor guards were the ones that got to do it. You got like an extra 20 bucks cash. You got about a half an hour break and you got fed. So it because was Because you had to demoralize gig. yourself, is that? <laughs> I, no, I didn't see it that way then. But uh, <laughs> there, was a, there was a time where I was Roxanne and there was no not going to the bathroom.
1: Oh, so right.
0: I went into the ladies' room dressed as a cartoon woman <laughs> to relieve myself.
1: Oh, uh, man, that is that is just <laughs> priceless, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what the hell are we talking about? See what I mean? <laughs> what we just so so I, I was talking with NJ Devil. Right. And right. Uh, he he and I just hit it off in, in a friendly manner. And then when that hockey season started, they had had a string of terrible DJs. They had had a string of guys who were using the New Jersey devils as a platform to further themselves, not to do anything for the devils hockey or the NHL. Uh, my buddy gave me a shout and said, is this something you would be interested in? it started off with what they called fan fest. So, uh, I, I went in, I, I negotiated out an extremely reasonable price. And when people asked me why I said, cause I want to work for them. I don't want to do a job for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they liked what I did. They picked me up for three years. And uh, the, the commitment kind of ended when I couldn't commit to more gigs.
1: Uh, were you DJing at the stadium during games?
0: No, it was before games.
1: So the the whole like fan fest, fan fest type yeah. of deal.
0: Um, and whenever they would have an event, it would be inside. Like when they had their season ticket holder appreciation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also ended up doing um, the New York, New Jersey Liberty, which was the, the, the women's basketball pro team, basketball yeah. team, yep. th- things like that. So yeah, I had a pretty good run at the Prudential Center for, for the first few years they were open.
1: Um, what? <clears throat> I just cracked like Peter Brady. I was like, mm-hmm.
0: it's, it's okay. I have a, a, a one of Jan, I do uh,
1: You got a little a prepubescent uh, pimple. There, right there. there it is. Oh, there it my. is.
0: Right before the school dance.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you get to EMG?
0: Um, short story would probably have to just say Brian. Uh, I was still, working in Morristown kind of working in Morristown. Again, I had left for a few years after Jimmy's closed, um, bounced around for a little bit and got back into Morristown. And then when I moved back to New Jersey from my brain saying Florida, it might've been when I moved back from Vegas. I'm not sure. Uh, I had a meeting with, uh, some of the bartenders and some of the managers from a place called SM 23. We're still there every now and again. Um, my partner at the time didn't make the meeting, so I went in and just handled everything. I was DJing there off and on for I don't know a year or two, and I guess my partner was busy subbing out his night of the week. And uh, I guess Brian came in. I had heard about this kid; heard he was pretty good.
1: So, so your partner knew Brian?
0: I think so.
1: And I, okay, so Brian was just a sub that night?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, no, no, no. The night I met Brian, I was actually DJing. And oh, okay. I, I was, I was taking a, I was in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and. I walk out and there's a guy standing over my equipment and uh, turns out to be Brian. But this skinny kid with glasses looks up at me and he goes, what kind of idiot brings CDJs to SM 23? <laughs> nah, you must be Maddie. <laughs> and uh, I, I meet Brian. So Brian, Brian hangs out for the night and I guess I do well enough. And then uh, Brian stops by a couple other nights that I'm playing there after his gigs end. And I guess he mentioned to the, uh, the higher ups at the time, you know, he had, he had talked to Tommy and such and, um, all of a sudden one night there's, there's a couple of weirdos just sitting at the bar. staring. And that is at how me.
1: I would describe the powers that be at EMG. Yeah, a couple of weirdos, a couple of weirdos. Go on.
0: They're, they're, they're sitting at the bar staring at the DJ and I'm like, oh, all right, cool. You know, I, I think I'm sexy, but <laughs> what are you going to do? And, uh, Brian walks over at one point point. he goes, uh, you, do you mind if I play for a little bit? And I, no, go right ahead. He said, all right, go talk to my friends. And, mm-hmm. uh, after that, it was just kind of history, and that was that. Yeah, I, I met uh, I met everybody there. I, I ran into them again when I was doing my rounds of bridal shows. Uh, EMG was uh, AMG. Were you doing just sidebar?
1: Mm-hmm. Did you do weddings before?
0: Oh yeah. Uh, I had actually retired from weddings in the early 2000s because I thought they were the worst thing ever. What I realized when I got with this company is I love weddings. I was working for the wrong people. I wasn't doing the wrong parties.
1: What uh, What was different about that experience?
0: The way that the business was handled, a lot of bait and switch, a lot of promising one thing while delivering another, mm-hmm. a lot of misinformation as opposed to just poor information, and a lot of it was on purpose. A lot of it was, you're getting A, you're getting A, you're getting A, we'll just give them B. And I took the fall for a lot of that. I was... Just the talent. I was doing no sales. I was doing no meetings. I was doing nothing. I was showing showing up and playing music. And there were more times than not, I'd show up and they'd say, Oh, we were promised that person A would be here. What are you doing here? And at this point, I'm a teenager. Right. And, and, and I'm either dealing with, you know, the father of a bride or the the head of a police department or the the superintendent of the school system. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, sorry, I'm here to do my job.
1: Yeah, right. And so, they would never give you a heads
0: up. Never. Yeah, it's never ever. It's and, and I also I, I realize now that I'm older, uh, I got the whole a lot. This is a real important client. Mm-hmm. Which basically meant that they had to basically give the party away, and I was getting screwed on money.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. right. So,
0: I, I it wasn't I I misappropriated the the displeasure to the type of event as opposed to the situation. Type. Right, of work. right, right. So, what what do you like about weddings now? Everything, man. I, I really, really do. Um, th- there's not much I don't like about weddings. You know, I I, I like you know, hanging out with, you know, it's being the DJ, being the host, you kind of have a front seat to, to your friends getting married. Like every weekend I have a new group of friends getting married because I'm working for a company and people that are, you know, very truthful and very upfront. You know, when, when we book a couple, they know right away, Hey, you know, I'm not available that day, but Maddie is. And then we have a meeting and then I get to know them over the course of
1: Twelve, six, 15, eight, 12 right, months. Right, right. You know,
0: however however long it is. And you know, I just I sit there and I get to watch these two people that I've gotten to see go through the most stressful thing they've ever done and have the payoff be the best day of their lives up until that
1: point. Yeah, it's a nice little soundbite. I mean, succinctly, that's really the goal and objective of every single person that comes through this, you know, office Absolutely. door. Right.
0: You, they don't know what they're doing when they come in. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they know what they're doing when they go out. And then when the day actually happens, it's just smiles, man. I've, I've, seen, I've seen things go wrong on so many levels. Flowers not make it. Caterers set out the wrong food. Things happen. And the bride and groom just still sit there and smile because you know what? They showed up and they got married. The rest of it is just a fun
1: party. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, to, Tommy, to a certain extent, but I think you, of all of us, you love the details. Now we all do the details sure but you love them it's like it's the, where man, the devil is man yeah man you just like get down in the mud you like go nuts over the smallest what i perceive to be the smallest little things um but i your clients obviously love that because mm-hmm. it's you know you like are really putting into words whereas I don't like so much explaining what's happening. I'll just say to a client like, "I got you," and I and I got him. But you'll say, "This is what I'm doing," and this is why I'm up. But you know, mm. on and on and on. And I, I appreciate that. I think it it gives me that
0: little extra air of. Uh, first of all, it it helps me. I, I get a lot less questions than somebody else might get because I've covered it in mm-hmm. the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a tendency to never to shut up. We discussed that about having the mic in front of me all the time. But also, I I feel like. We're in that journey together. If they're informed, they don't worry. I I feel like over-explaining something is a little bit better than under, because at least when they're, you know, two nights before the wedding, when they're going through their checklist of, oh, did we pay this? Have we taken? They look at each other and like, Maddie's got this.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. What is? I'm going to shift gears here Mm -hmm. because a question popped into my head. What would uh, Maddie uh, DJ Maddie G now tell DJ Maddie G? uh, at 16 and then say like right in the thick of that experience about the wedding industry, you know, that, that you were Mm. negative on that. I don't necessarily know
0: if I'd give myself advice about the negativity because one of the things that I've always said is the bad companies that I worked for were some of the best learning experiences
1: ever. Mm, I've had bosses like that. It's like
0: when I, I I tell my couples about their playlist, you can give me 800 songs in your request list. Mm -hmm. Great. Awesome. What's most important to me is your do not playlist Mm -hmm. because I don't know what you don't like. I can throw a good party. It's what I've done for two decades, but what you dislike is very specific to you. What those companies taught me was what not to do. Mm -hmm. I've really prided myself in, in, in never screwing anybody in the business. I always give two weeks if I'm going to leave a place. And when another place wants to hire me, I said, look, I would give you the same two weeks. Um, what I would tell 16 year old Maddie is put down the records, man, transfer over to CDs. They're lighter, they're easier, <laughs> they're cheaper. I, uh, I never really made that transition until much later on. I, I was, Oh, records, man. And I, I, it was,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Carrying those, I carry all my CDs around at least I, well, I'm not going to nerd out, but I feel your pain on that.
0: Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think I should have told 16 year old Maddie to go cheaper, smaller, lighter. It's uh, it's it's a much better system. I was I was buying big, heavy, expensive gear.
1: Yeah, uh, I but know. I still
0: have a lot of that. Things aren't built the same way anymore. The stuff I bought the first time around are all still pieces I have.
1: Yeah, you just sounded like Father Time. By the way, you go. Things aren't built the same way anymore, kid. It's Cause I'm an old man and I don't like change. <laughs> Tell us about your time at uh, Z100. Uh, Z100 was an awesome time. Um, oh wait, let me give so I don't have to oh, do a postscript on this. Sure. Um, we discussed Z100 on an earlier episode of the Spotlight Interview with my brother Steven. but Z100 is, I'd say, New York's biggest radio station. Absolutely, top forty uh, platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have national recognition. They're on SiriusXM now. Big time. So their uh, morning
0: show has been syndicated across the country for 20, 30 years. Elvis El- Duran, yeah. Elvis Duran, and the Z Morning Zoo has been around right. since before I was even a DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there have been different people here and there, but but Elvis has been at the top of his game in the number one market.
1: Forever, right? So, you worked at the station, yeah. He's, he's how'd a, you get
0: that job? He's a great dude. Um, Jimmy's, I had mentioned that before. Jimmy's in Morristown, uh, I was DJing there, and my friend Brandon was going through, uh, I believe, communications, not 100% sure, but mm-hmm. he interned for Z100 and they loved him. He actually interned for that morning show, and then they brought him on to oh, for Elvis Duran. Oh, yeah, oh, okay, they brought him on predominantly for the street team. And they said, "Look, do, do you know anybody?" And he said, I, "I've got this guy. He he shows up. He works hard. He knows music. He knows equipment. He's not afraid of crowds." When I was with Z100, um, my on-air time was almost nothing. I did uh, phone calls with funny voices, mm-hmm. little little radio bits. Uh, I have a very loud clap, so uh, have <laughs> loud clapping.
1: We have to hear it. We. Have- That's an impressive clap.
0: So whenever they needed six people in a studio to sound like 30, they'd call (laughs) me in. Um, I was also uh, a a larger gentleman, which I still am today. Uh, So when we would have, you know, younger people come into the studio for live performances, uh, I remember uh, Pink played almost her whole album on uh, Romeo on the radio show. And we had like 10 kids come into the studio and they asked me to kind of babysit. So, uh, Brandon, Brandon gave me the opportunity. I, I had only been DJing my whole life. So my resume actually had photos on it. <laughs> uh, it was a work experience sheet. I didn't even know about a resume at that right, point. Right, right, Um, they, they did the interview. They asked me about this, that, and the next thing. And, and then, you know, fast forward, I'm on their street team for a few years teaching, you know, the new crop of interns, how to set up equipment. I was the phone call guy. I did a lot of the radio call ins. Cause, uh, I don't know if you've been listening for the past, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, but this voice is gold. Yeah. All right. Um, Yeah. Z-100 was great. I I really opened up a lot of interesting pathways. I was really set in my stuff. Uh, Z-100 brought me into a lot of things that I had missed. I had missed a lot of mainstream pop culture by being buried in bars and nightclubs for the-
1: Why'd you leave? I moved to Vegas. Why'd you move to Vegas? Was that when I moved to Vegas? I feel like we've never talked about this.
0: Uh, I bought a book. I was living with my friend Sino in, uh, in an apartment and we were just partying and hanging out. And I was, I was making money as a DJ and then I was making money for Z 100 and I bought this book and the book was uh 365 days of, of crap or whatever it was. And the very first page was, uh, write the title of your book. Mm hmm. Uh, and the title of my book was When I Turned Twenty Five, I Packed Up and Moved.
1: And so you had to make the book come true.
0: I made the book come true. I had a I had a, a couple of buddies that had moved out to Vegas. I had really just been in the 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 nightclub and bar grind, which involved quite a bit of drinking. I was mm-hmm. I was younger. Um I was doing an awful lot of stuff and just a lot of wheel spinning. I, I wanted to to travel more. I had traveled a little bit. Uh I just wanted to branch out. So I, I sold pretty much everything I owned, uh, bought a new motorcycle, loaded what I could onto it, and just took off.
1: Uh. D- that literally sounds like a country song. <laughs> just like <laughs> I sold everything I owned, bought a motorcycle, and took off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had had a, I had had a little sport bike. And, that takes and some guts, dude. It was interesting. It didn't. It didn't necessarily turn out the best way. Vegas was a little bit much for me. Did you?
1: <laughs> did you go out there with a plan or like? Did you have a job lined up or you nope, just went? Just went. And you, but did you? You knew people. I out knew there. a
0: couple people. Yeah, I, I went out there. Uh, did you DJ out there? I no, not 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 really at all. I was out there just under a year, and I think I played music once. So what for, did you do out for there? People. Uh, I was a bartender. Where? Um, the win when they first opened. Right. Right. When the win first opened, I was a, a, a bar porter which was their way of saying bar back.
1: I feel. Side note, yeah. I feel like if you weren't a DJ, mm-hmm. you'd be a bartender. Yeah, it's, it's the it's same like thing. It's like getting small talk. It's yeah,
0: you know, I'm moving people through music <laughs> or moving people through booze. Yeah, right, right. I, I know what you want. Yeah, You want the real McCoy. <laughs> you want an old-fashioned.
1: Um, I also want to point out here, a couple of times in your story, mm-hmm. one door has opened because of uh, networking that you've done at another spot. Always. And uh, if I could encapsulate you in one little quick soundbite, that's like super up to the to the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few weeks ago, you took an Uber and you <laughs> you chatted up the driver, who turned out to be a saxophone player mm-hmm. who was playing with a band up in Boston, right? And you're like, "I'm gonna hook you up with a job," and he's like, "Yeah, okay, dude." In the back of my Uber, and also so now, Maddie comes into the office and says, "Hey, Mike." I found a sax player. He was my Uber driver. So now I'm also saying like, yeah, Mm -hmm. okay, Maddie. So now both ends of this think that you're crazy. Um, You hooked me up with his number or, yeah, no, he reached out and sent me.
0: Yeah, I gave him all my information and told him yours.
1: Yeah, and he sent me a video and this cat could play. He 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 could slay. He wails. And I'm like, what? But I feel like it's like you're always, maybe it's percentages with you. It's like you talk, you chat everyone up. So like for every hundred people, one of them is bound to be like a diamond in the rough. But I, has has that been a common theme in your life? Always. And and you know
0: what? You're right too. You can definitely balance that with percentages. Um Just treat everyone decently. That's it. If you're in a car with somebody for ten minutes, ask them their name and how their day is. Mm. You know it, when there are definitely certain times where I just want to be left alone. Don't get me wrong. I I used to walk my dog around Morristown and I would DJ in Morristown like six nights a week. So there were times I put my earbuds in with nothing playing. And if somebody would walk up to me on the street, I'd just be like, I'm I'm on the phone with my dad. Mm. Gotta, gotta go. Yeah. Work, work Maddie's a difficult thing. Always being the, 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 the party guy, the host guy when, you know, when I was doing the bars and things like that around town, but yeah, you just, you meet people, you chat with them, you, you talk, you never know, you never know who you're going to meet. And and one of the things that, I mean, we're both movie guys. A lot of the basis is for a lot of the movies that we've seen is, you know, be careful of who you treat poorly on the way up because you're going to pass them again on the way down. Mm. You know, you, you treat everybody on an even playing field. You never know who's just going to be like, I've gotten phone calls from, from guys who delivered rock to a driveway. And the driveway was the guy that owned a bar who needed entertainment. Mm-hmm. You never know where that connection is going to happen. So yeah, probably probably percentages are the best way to put it.
1: Yeah, I think I think anybody can. If you if you stop and think backward
0: mm-hmm.
1: about weird occurrences that led to another situation, I yep. think we all have that. But yours seem to be a lot more prevalent because you're always talking about them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I make moves. It's one of the things that Tommy says he 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 likes most about me is there's a reason behind almost everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I've made a lot of good choices. I've made some bad choices. You know, I've made some life altering choices in the snap of a finger and good, bad or indifferent. You know, if you don't have something to back it up, it's not a proper choice. Don't be afraid to make a wrong choice, but make that choice for a reason. Know why you're making it. Know why you're making it.
1: Hmm. Fascinating. It was also, I spared the people listening to this, you and I could have easily, we could have talked about movies because mm-hmm. most, we took most of our life lessons from like late 80s, early 90s movies.
0: I, I got to say that the, the culmination of my life in the past few years was Ready Player One <laughs> just because it's all those movies
1: in one movie. Right. Uh, we could have talked about wrestling.
0: Absolutely. Which
1: I don't want to bore people on, so let's not go off on a tangent, but oh. let's quickly talk about this. I love wrestling. I think, I'm going to hot take right now. Hot take. I'm going to drop some fire on everybody. All right? Steven. Yeah. I think that our affinity for professional wrestling, Mm Maddie, makes us the best storytellers at the office. By far. Right?
0: By far. Do you have a hard time listening to the scripted promos from the biggest company? I can't. I just can't. It's so hard. I look at these people and I'm like, man, you you watch their old stuff on YouTube and it's like-
1: A uh, promo for the audience is what my fiance would refer to as- a interview it's when the wrestler yep. has the mic and is talking but i uh, i mentioned this on a podcast with our creative director hayes i enjoy professional wrestling as an adult not because i'm like this is real it's never about that it's about the psychology and the story of getting people to buy in yep and we just we got into a fight with my mom i'm not, not afraid to say it not an hour ago yeah. she goes you know it's not real and i said it's not the point the point is is that it's And like, you don't go to a movie and say, I'm not enjoying this because it's their actors and they're fake. When you you said that, that was, that was just that. Yeah. I mean, but, um, for me, wrestling has instilled a love of production.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right.
1: And content. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I, I like the less is more too. I like watching some of these smaller companies do the greatest jobs with what they have. You don't have to have a billion dollars. Tell a good to story. Tell a good story.
1: Tell a good story. That, or ready for this, Maddie? Throw a good party. Throw a good party. See that transition point?
0: I, I like what you did there. You br- Thank you. brought it right back.
1: Let's recap. Okay. Okay. You were born as a nutmegger in the state a of nutmegger
0: Connecticut. Nutmegger in Connecticut. Connect. I caught weird. <laughs> okay.
1: I don't, I don't think anyone's ever thought that's weird. Uh, but Kansas and our Kansas is a little weird. See, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let, let me go back to your dad for a second sure. as we're recapping here. Mm-hmm. Um, you say that you take after him and that you kind of fell in love with the uh, the being the the guy who's mm-hmm. the, the life of the party or the host of the party.
0: He was also a radio DJ in Miami when he was down in school in, in his college
1: years. Oh, I see what's happening here. Yeah, I, I'm telling you. Like, so how much of your life's quest is the chase for your father's affection.
0: Zero. He's my best friend. Love it. It's, it's Happy
1: childhood? It's
0: normal childhood. Normal childhood, like right. When, when I moved out of the yeah, house yeah. the first time, dad and I butt heads. We're, we're best friends now. Yeah, but you're But a I kid. had a
1: very normal childhood. Yeah, mom and dad were great people. One of these times, I'm going to get somebody to really open up on here, mm-hmm. and it's going to be no one's going to care except for me, but it's going to be great. Oh, I can go off if you want me <laughs> no, to. No, no, no. We're, we're, well, we're in the recap, so we've missed that boat. So you, you want it to be a Th- DJ your whole life. There will definitely be a part two. Yeah, we, well, there will be. You want it to be a DJ. Mm-hmm. You've achieved the goal. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the recap of everything that we talked about.
0: Since I've achieved the goal, I think I should probably take this opportunity to put my two weeks in. I've, I've done everything I need to do. Wait a second. <laughs>
1: what? Um, what do you want out of the next 10 years?
0: Wow. You know, a 10-year ten, a ten plan at this point is something I haven't redone. Uh, I'm going to be 40 in a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 10-year plan is something I had when I was 30. Mm-hmm. Um, life took a lot of left-hand turns. In 10 years, um, you know what? I, I would really like to still be doing this, but not on the same scale. You know, bigger, bigger, uh, maybe a little bit less often, maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit more business and a little bit less performance. But in 10 years, I still want to be able to press play. I mean, look at the best Jersey Shore DJs, the best guys, the biggest names, the ones that have been around. Those guys are in their 40s and 50s, and they do it better than any of the 22-year-old kids that are out there now.
1: They have muscle maturity.
0: I think, I think. yeah, right. I think I want to take where I'm at now, which I think is pretty good, and just keep getting better. In 10 years, I want to be a similar person to who I am now, but with more good and with less mistakes.
1: What a great way to wrap this up. But we can't end this. Before a little section, I like to call quick questions. Will quick you play question. with me?
0: Um, yes, of course. Here we go, Maddie.
1: You are on the hot seat right now. If you were famous, what would you be famous for? I am famous. What is the worst job you could have? Not DJing. What is your favorite TV channel?
0: Ring of Honor. It's a it's an
1: <laughs> app, not really a channel. <laughs> no jam- one knows what. <laughs> Just skip it, skip <laughs> it. What celebrity annoys you the most? perez hilton what's the most interesting thing in your wallet
0: uh i'm an ordained minister twice over
1: <laughs> twice so see who he see he, he forget college you're a minister man a man of the cloth how long does it take you to get ready in the morning
0: uh i like to take long showers and i like to sit in the tub when i brush my teeth so if i'm not showering it takes me about eight minutes if i'm showering about an hour and 40
1: <laughs> you would that that was like almost like you had that prepped what's your favorite halloween costume
0: uh, you'll have to see this year. I think I'm going to do a pretty awesome Bully Ray.
1: Excellent. And final question if you were getting married to Jennifer tomorrow, what would your entertainment package look like?
0: My entertainment package would be band DJ combo. What band? Cityscape in the Park Avenue Horns. Right
1: answer. Go on.
0: Uh there would be up lighting There would be dancing on a cloud. There would be an after party. I would have a string trio for ceremony and cocktail. And I would probably ah, you know what? No, for cocktail, I'd have Isaac playing the keys,
1: baby. There it is. Maddie Goshen, you have said it all. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Mike. Take care, brother.
0: Find us at elegantmusicgroup.com or on Instagram at Elegant Music Group.